0: Everybody. Welcome to another edition, episode number 60 of the Lab Epsom podcast. Glad to have you in today. Hope everybody had, of course, a great weekend, great week last week, and here's to a great week this week. Happy Monday. And if you're listening on Apple, Google, Spotify, or watching the show, we do appreciate you tuning in, and we hope that we can make your Monday a little bit better. We have a lot to talk about today our topic at hand, preparing to get drafted. We can really dissect that here. And we have a lot of points that we're going to try to get to. Plus, I mean, we've got the Diamondbacks. I don't know if people know this, but they let a a guy, Daniel Vogelbach, score because he was hurt over the week. And we've got another general manager calling a manager a con artist. And um, we've got guys taking their pants off. I mean, it's crazy. The world is crazy. And by the way, I think, you know what? I think that's a great segue. Guys taking their pants off. So who better to introduce, who, who better introduce at this time? It so yeah, was all about taking the Zoom his Zoom calls. Oh, it was all about taking his pants off. My friend, co-host, professional evaluator, former coach, successful business owner, man of the people, Jake Epstein. And we match again. Yeah.
1: Two black shirts. Yeah, of course. It reminds me of us. It was Steve Lyons, I think, back in the day for the White Sox. Got mm-hmm. the first base and just was getting the dirt out and yeah. dropped. I mean, he dropped straight trout, Yeah. You know? Like, mm-hmm. those pants went around his ankles, and he just kind of forgot where he was. For well, him. I think he you
0: did – that was done – that was done by accident. These guys Correct. were actually doing it on purpose.
1: Yeah, I, I think uh, – you know, I think pitchers are a little um, – Weird. I think they got their, their, they got their feelings hurt, you know, and yeah. uh, it's not the umpire's fault. Like, mm-hmm. like, don't take it out on the umpire. Don't be a jerk. Yeah. Like, hey, it's the umpire's job now. It's a new rule. Uh By the way, you were cheating for I don't know how many years. Did you see everybody's? You should have pulled those stats. Maybe we can pull them up during the show. We don't have an intern this week. Our intern is at grandma's ranch, so we don't have an intern to pull it up. But the average decrease in spin rate over the last week or the last four days, what an interesting number that would be. Scherzer was down three or four. You know, 100 RPM. Garrett Cole was down, I think, 500 RPM off of yeah. off of his pitches. I mean, it's obvious that I mean, it's blatantly obvious it was a problem. Yeah. Um And they're they're cleaning it up, and we'll see if they walk more people or hit more people or whatever. But the Dodgers still got no hit uh, a couple days ago. Yes. Yes. Right. They did combined. Combined. No right. Right. Combined well, no also hitter. too uh, with
0: Scherzer. He, I will, I will stick up for Scherzer in this case. He he goes to his hair. I don't know if he's putting stuff in his hair, but he goes to his hair a lot in his outings. Garrett Cole more so was, I think, blatantly caught. And he, in a way, without saying it, admitted that he was doctoring up the baseball in his own personal way. Notwithstanding those two guys last week, whether they're, and those are the examples you used, they had really good starts. Garrett Cole still pretty much dominated. And Max Scherzer had a really good start his last time out as well.
1: That's right. Yeah. And now, now their numbers are different, mm-hmm. but it doesn't take away competitiveness and yes. ability to throw a pitch. And, they're talent, and what it does yeah. is it, yeah. it, it makes the ball look different than everyone else. You know, yeah. and, and that's what I, you know, we've talked about in in different podcasts is if you're throwing something at 28, a breaking ball at 2,800 RPMs and the league average is 25 RPMs, yours is going to break a half inch more. And that half inch is the difference between a line, line driving the ground ball. So you know, that's where it makes it a huge, huge difference. Um, Max Scherzer is probably one of my all-time favorite players. Like, Zoo guy. by far, if I was mm-hmm. going to go to war, like, that's the dude I would follow through the wall. No doubt about it. Like, when he was staring down Girardi. Yeah. I Girardi was a pretty, made a bad decision. Awesome.
0: He made a bad decision coming out of that dugout. We all know what Max Scherzer would do to Joe Girardi.
1: Yeah, you know, Girardi's just, that's him you know he's a he's a scrappy guy and do you remember a couple of years good ago gamesmanship. hey you got to get a guy off his game didn't work do you remember but... a
0: couple of years ago when max got hit in batting practice in his eye and broke his nose and had this black eye and there's a picture on the internet i think everybody should google it if yeah. you get the chance google max scherzer black eye and you'll see him in the bullpen prior to his start in game two of a doubleheader nationals phillies 2019 and I mean, he looks so scary with that black guy, that, that, that grin on his face, yeah, ready to come out of the bullpen. It's like, I'm going to eat you for lunch.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can't teach that kind of, you know, intensity and, 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 uh, grit. Like yeah. he just, he's always had it. I mean, he had it at Mizzou when he you know, whatever that was 15 years ago. Yeah. It's, it's, a, just, it's, it's hard to believe the ball. He's,
0: he's 37 years old at this point. And he's going to be a free yeah. agent at the end of the year, which which will be which is an interesting proposition. You give a guy that age a three year deal, wow. and you try to resign him if you're the Nationals. Mm. I don't know. Speaking of Joe Girardi, we've well, got way. at least one more year, maybe Spe- two. Speaking of Joe Girardi, by the way, yeah. he had uh, a guy, a, gen- a guy, yeah, really bringing it, really bringing down his status. A general manager, Mike Rizzo, who arguably is one of the best general managers in the league at this point. Yeah, I mean, I think, you, I think you can really say that with a lot of gumption uh, behind it. The Nationals, by the way, amazing. Uh, didn't two weeks ago, I admit this, I two weeks ago I said they weren't very good when I said that Starling Castro was, was Epps choking right now. He's Epps dying. But I said – couple of weeks ago. I don't know if he's laughing at something I said or laughing at me or just choking on coughing. He's got to go to a wedding. Did you,
1: did you hear any of the coughing?
0: The, the coffee? No. Coughing. Oh, the coughing. I did
1: not. No, I hit the mute button.
0: Wow, you've got like the a... Problem
1: m- is, the problem is we got video now.
0: Right, so people, yeah, people saw it.
1: Oh. You can see. Yeah, the coffee's strong this morning.
0: Is it? Yeah. Well, you you got to be careful. You have a wedding to go to. You're very excited about going to that wedding and... You gotta be careful. And I, I hope you're that excited when you come to my wedding someday.
1: Okay. I will be excited as long as you don't get married in Florida in July. Outside. That's,
0: I, I yeah, it's not gonna happen. No way, no way, Jose. It was 100 degrees this past week. Uh, Mike Rizzo, uh, I I want to say that I'm wrong. I was wrong two weeks ago about the Nationals. I said they weren't very good. They are a pretty good ball club. I'm not sure they're going to make the postseason, but again, they're going on this run like they did in 2019. It's it's really incredible. And Mike Rizzo continues year in, year out to build a, a at least a championship contender. Maybe not so much a championship contender, but at least a good team that that competes and, and gets fans excited, which, hey, that's kind of like old-school baseball. That's what GMs used to do, right, before the— Let's tear it down and rebuild for 18 years. Um, yeah. But with with Mike Rizzo uh, calling Joe Girardi a con artist, um, a lot of ways we can go with this. And I will say, and by the way, I don't know if you, you know this. You probably knew this, but I don't know if the audience knew this. Mike Rizzo scouted Joe Girardi when he was at Northwestern. Bet you didn't know that. And if you did, audience members, if you did know that, I don't care. But I'll say this. Mike Rizzo knows the game of baseball and he knows how to evaluate talent and evaluate people. And whether he was saying that out of frustration, saying that out of anger, I don't know what it was. It shouldn't be out of anger because they won that game. I think that he was backing up his guy. And you know what? I like that out of a GM because it shows that he's scrappy.
1: Yeah. I mean, you got a, I don't know how old Girardi is. I was already 55. You got a 55 year old man that is, is taunting another player. Mm-hmm. Like, that's like the, the one rule as a coach is you never go after a player. Yeah. You never talk back to a, an opposing player. You never, you know, try to get in another player's face. Like, that's not, that is that is the worst thing you can do as a, as a coach. College, high school, professional, whatever, you know, your deal is. So for him to go after the guy pitching for the other team, like that's to me, that's just not a not a not a cool move. Now, Girardi is also a pretty bright guy, so maybe he does that. He takes a couple steps out of the dugout. Maybe Scherzer, who's shoving that day, right, comes out and meets him halfway, and then Scherzer gets ejected. Then all of a sudden, Joe's like, "Yeah, yeah, I got him out of the game."
0: Well, and that's to Mike Rizzo's point that he's a con artist. He wasn't really upset. He was trying to take him out of his game. And I think that's what Mike Rizzo Mm -hmm. meant. Now, with that said, said, I get it with Joe Girardi. You know, I'm not saying that he did the right thing or wrong thing. That's that's just baseball. Now, uh, I personally, for me, I didn't Mm -hmm. mind it. And I also didn't mind Mike Rizzo saying what he said. Why? Because Mm -hmm. Mike Rizzo is a scrappy baseball guy. And I like that in a general manager, scrappy baseball kind of guy.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I heard him speak, you know, it was after they won the World Series and, and how they make decisions and, you know, how they have four guys, essentially, or five guys that are all specialists in their own, you know, a development specialist, a scouting specialist, and they all come together and make decisions. And um, that's pretty cool. It's, I mean, that, that's why they're good. It's why they're consistent.
0: Year in, and year out. It's, it's really incredible, too, to think what they yeah. were in 2005, their first season as an expansion yeah. club. Really quick, I have to just touch on this, though. Um, the Diamondbacks facing your team last week, letting guys come around and score. I don't know if you saw the video. Video don't lie, as the kids say. On yeah. TikTok. Um, but- was that done on purpose, or in your opinion, or was that just confusion? I mean, even Steve Berthium, the play-by-play guy for the Diamondbacks, was
1: screaming, throw the ball. And it's really pretty funny because he was like, throw the ball. <laughs> He's a parent yeah. in the throw. Uh, yeah. I mean, Vogelbach, if if he doesn't pull a hamstring, he scores easily. Okay. Sure. Right. So to me, you're not expecting a guy to, to pull up lame, you know, like every other ball that's hit and the guy is gonna score. Yeah. You know, now is there communication, you know, there there's there's fans, there's noise. You know, maybe the the other infielder could have said something, maybe the catcher could have said something. Sure. Um but uh, yeah, I, I didn't have a problem with diving back. Like to me, you're not expecting a guy to pull a hamstring and pull up lame and give up, um, okay. and that just happened to be what what happened. But then, even as a player, you look up and you're not used to you know you expect that guy in your clock, your game clock is okay. That guy hit home plate already, yeah. and then all of a sudden you turn around and people are you know yelling at you, and you're trying to figure out what's going on. And yeah, I mean, it is what it is. But I I, I don't know. I don't, I don't fault them. I, it was a weird play. Weird play, yeah. I mean, right. now, the weird part would be if you didn't notice Vogelbach because that guy blocks the sun anytime he's standing out during the day.
0: Yeah, yeah. He looks like, um, I don't know, defensive lineman.
1: No, like I'm not, defensive lineman.
0: no, offensive. No, I'm not trying to be human. Man. He's a big right. guy. Yeah, he hits the ball right. to the moon. Though. Healthy. He's healthy. He's like a Matt Stairs type. Remember Matt
1: Stairs? He's like Matt Stairs times two.
0: Oh, okay. All right. He's okay. like
1: Matt Stairs if Matt Stairs ate Prince Fielder.
0: <laughs>
1: That's really funny. I mean, Bogle, I mean, his neck is like that big. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Not like my. I always point out my neck. Being like, I'm a pencil neck geek on video. I swear, if people saw me in person, I'm not my neck's not this skinny. It's just the camera. Just like some days, like the camera makes me look like I'm dying. Which, by the way, two weeks in a row that my camera—if you're watching our YouTube page, the Lab Epstein Hitting Podcast—you'll see that I'm I'm pretty pale today, and I'm and mm-hmm. I guess the camera color matches my real color. Sometimes I'm yeah, yellow. Yeah, dying. The jaundice has gone away.
1: Yeah,
0: which is good. Somebody recently. Um, <clears throat> who watches the show, said there's a a medical term for the liver shutting down that makes you yellow or makes me look like I'm yellow. Is it not jaundice? Not jaundice. Maybe it is jaundice. I don't know. Hey, don't forget to like and subscribe to the podcast, too, uh, to listen on the audio. One of our our listeners will definitely
1: let us know for sure.
0: Yeah. Please do email us Jimbo Medical podcast term. 21 at gmail.com or reach out to us on Twitter or, uh, or Instagram. I have to check my Instagram a lot more. I haven't checked it in like, t- like at least two and a half weeks. I got to do that. Do better. Do better. You can do All better, right. Jim. I could very, yeah. I'm always mm-hmm. on Twitter instead. Um, all right, let's get into our topic today, um, because we've got a lot to talk about with preparing to get drafted. We're not talking about any players. We're not evaluating any players. We're not allowed to do that, <laughs> but we're going to just talk about, in general, pre- players preparing to get drafted, because the MLB draft, obviously, it's shifted. Uh, it's changed. It would have probably, well, no, it would have happened already, mm-hmm. um, but it's coming around the corner here, and I think it's a good topic to talk about, preparing to get drafted from an offensive side, that's what we are, At the core, an offensive-based podcast. They said we wouldn't last five episodes, but here we are. We do break off a few other things. So, anyway, uh, EPP got drafted. I didn't. I wasn't a very good player. (laughs) Um, EPP got drafted, though, and I'm curious to to hear your story um, because I know it's changed over the years, but to hear your story about talking with, the scout who drafted you and signed you, and and meeting your parents, and then kind of getting that that call on draft day, like, "Hey, Jake, you've been drafted." So I'm curious to to hear. I mean, the, because in the movie Moneyball, you saw a little bit of a clip of someone getting draft Billy Bean getting drafted, talking mm-hmm. scouts. Was that accurate? What was your story like?
1: So I wasn't a you know a, a highly touted prospect. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got drafted out of high school by the hometown team by the Padres. Oh,
0: I didn't know that. I thought you got uh, drafted once. Okay, twice.
1: Yeah, no, I didn't. My senior my I was a senior sign so for the Angels. So I was a uh I was a much better player as a senior, but they didn't really draft seniors back right. then. because guys were you know, there was no leverage and they could just there was no slot money back then. So yeah. It was like, yeah, they just so they would sign guys and then give them a little bit more money than what you know the draft was worth. But you know, going back to to high school, you know, I, it was it was a local scout who I knew because I played it for the area code team. So right. I was a you know I, I had known him because he was the area scout and everybody at the time is scouting. Um, you know, Eric Chavez, who was who was my teammate, you know, and he was the number ten pick overall. So. You know, I got to be in front of scouts a lot, which was pretty cool. So, you know, a lot of times as high school players, that's where you get seen or even for colleges, you get recruited. They, they go to see the dude. And then all of a sudden, who's this other guy? You know, that's pretty good. Nobody's even on, on his watch. So um, but yeah, it was it was cool. Like I wasn't sure because I, I had a college scholarship and that always plays a big, big deal in it now. You know, it's like, wow, is he going to go to college? Is he a smart guy? Is he an academic guy? we want to draft him and pay for his college so he can, he can still go in the off season, which, which never happens. You typically have to go to, you know, instructional league in the yeah. fall. So you're not really able to take any classes, but um, yeah, the, the call came in. It was the general manager, um, you know, the Padres is Kevin Towers. Um, he called and said, Hey, we just drafted you and uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know, I don't remember all of it. And it was like really cool. And Hey, we'll be in touch. Our local scout will be in touch, you know, with a contract and, and all that, you know, yeah. and I was like, awesome, you know, but it wasn't a big, you know, to do. Cause I wasn't like a, you know, first three round guy. Um, but it was cool. I, I knew I was going to college. I wasn't, I wasn't going to sign. My parents weren't, you know, if I was, if it was life changing money and I was a first rounder, then I probably would have signed. But you know, for at that time, it probably would have been college tuition, which I already had a scholarship. So that was kind of a wash. Um, plus, I don't know, it was probably $50,000, $40,000, which I probably would have blown through, you know, in a couple of years trying to live on your own, being a minor leaguer. Like it costs money to be a minor leaguer. Oh, yeah. You know, you're not, yeah. you're not making anything. So, um, you know, I made that choice, but um, yeah, I mean, it's really cool. Like that's that's what you dream of, right? As a kid, it's like you work, you work, you work, and then draft day. I mean, I remember sitting there watching the ticker. It was much different than it is now, but there was like, I'm pretty sure the internet was out then. You know, it was on maybe maybe AOL.com.
0: We had we had AOL.com. We had AIM. Remember AIM, the instant message? Yeah, Yeah. that was pretty much the the internet.
1: That would have been '96. Right, like the internet was pretty. Like I don't know if the draft was. I think. I don't think that's what it was i think i was waiting for a phone call right wow i'm pretty sure that's what it was now the Amazing. second time it was there was a draft tracker in 2000 but that didn't matter i got a call but i wasn't i wasn't what was draft. that
0: like in 2000 when, when you were in college and you got drafted you were a senior. You kind of knew at that time, your signing bonus, you're probably not going to get drafted high. Your signing bonus yeah. is probably not going to be that big. So it was the same process as when you got drafted out of high school? And did you regret not signing out of high school with the possible signing bonus that would have been 50 grand plus the tuition?
1: Yeah, I never regretted it. Okay. Um, so I never I never regretted it. Um, it was, you know, I don't remember. Our season ended at Fullerton um, as a senior, you know, the coaches kept saying, oh, yeah, you're going to get, you know, you're, you're going to get a chance. You're going to get picked up, blah, blah, blah. You know, you'll sign that one. Because I had a pretty good year. I think I hit 320 or 330, and, you know, nine or ten home runs. Like, pretty decent year. And I didn't play all the time because I, I had a broken ankle that I was rehabbing, you know, the first part of the year. But, you know, it was like I remember losing to Mark Pryor um, and getting bounced from the regional. And I was on deck. So I was on deck when they we, they got the last out against us and we lost by one, I think one round or two. Round. It was a close game. USC Pryor didn't uh, beat us. It was, uh, it was another guy who ended up being a big leaguer. Gosh, I can't remember his name. He pitched for the, for the uh, Reyes. His name is Reyes. He pitched for the Cardinals flat bill guy. Um, yeah. He was the, he was the number two <laughs> behind prior. They're pretty good that year, but um, you know, it was awful. Like I remember everything. I remember like, the exit, you know, we had a conversation on the right foot line as a team. And then I went and sat outside the locker room, like just by myself. I just, I didn't want to talk to anybody. I didn't want to, didn't want to do anything. So, um, and then the draft was probably a week later. And then I got called, you know, from uh, two teams, you know, hey, we want to sign you, blah, blah, blah. So I chose the Angels. You know, they gave me, you know, a couple thousand dollars more. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it wasn't, yeah. It wasn't a big thing. And they were the local team and they did a lot of like stuff. So you didn't get area. drafted the
0: second time.
1: No, didn't get okay. drafted, so I was a senior senior sign. So the cool part about that though was I was so close to Anaheim, I I drove to the stadium, yeah, and and I sat down with the general manager and signed the contract right, you know, at the stadium with the general manager, which is pretty cool. You know, a lot of times it's it's not like that. You know, it's yeah. a local scout guy or something like that. So um, yeah, that was fun. Like that was that was pretty cool. And then I got on a little crop duster plane and and flew to Montana a couple of days right. later.
0: Yeah, and you've told that story before about yeah. your time in the minor leagues and, and trying yeah. to navigate through that as well. Now, what's interesting to me this this whole story you got drafted once, then you didn't get drafted, mm-hmm. but you still signed. And this is and the, the draft back then was what forty? Well, it was more than forty. It was more. It was fifty. Yeah, there was a plus lot of rounds, right? Yeah, there's probably there was lot, at least forty. Now it's it's a lot different. Um, you would think yeah. weighing, weighing college and getting drafted out of high school. You would think now parents would say to their kids, "No, no, no! You go to college, play three years or four, whatever, and then get drafted. It's it's really not worth it to get drafted out of high school in the last round again because the draft is a lot smaller. Right. And even with that enticing signing bonus, it, it's probably not worth it. Let's let's it's not life changing money. Let's let's go to college first, and that's where Wayne College comes in.
1: Yeah, and it, it really depends." Like, I mean, it depends on where you're going to college. Yeah. Like you go to a junior college, mm-hmm. or are you going to LSU or Vanderbilt, mm-hmm. you know, where you're going to, you're going to get drafted and your, your stock's going to increase, you know, in time. So, uh, for me, there was the college leverage. Wasn't a thing back in the, in the late nineties. Like you didn't go to college to increase your draft status. Like mm-hmm. if you were going to get money, you were going to sign out of high school. And it's totally changed in the last 25 years. You know, it's guys, um, you know, I could, I could tell you most people on, you know, draft lists, if you would look, you know, at the history of the last, like, two rounds, top two rounds, you know, predominantly, it, it would have been high school players, like, no doubt about it. And now it's it, it kind of leans the other direction. So it, it's kind of a cool, di- cool dynamic. Um, you know, one of the reasons I left Missouri was uh because there were no scouts at that time mm-hmm. like no scouts came to the University of Missouri to watch games mm-hmm. so I had like I was highly touted blah 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 I played three years I never saw the only time I saw scouts scout was when we went and played Texas
0: or like scout day uh, you, right huh or like scout day
1: yeah scout day but that's not they need to see you in action right like right. my tools didn't matter I could throw hard to second base I could hit the ball far in batting practice okay. I could run slow like that wasn't helping anybody at scout day you know, so yeah. it was, you know, game game action. That's where you got to perform, and, and that's where cross-checkers see and all that kind of stuff. So um, that was one of the reasons I, I chose Fullerton when I went to transfer was because I know And my first inter-squad game at Fullerton in September, of course I was on crutches at the time because I broke a leg in summer ball, but the first inter-squad game, there were like 15 scouts in football. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And so I was like, okay, I made the right choice, and you know, eventually somebody liked me enough to, to, to pay me a couple bucks and a plane ticket to go go play pro baseball. But, you know, looking looking now, yeah, you know, I I, I like to like let's if we take Jack Leiter and, and, and Rocker, right? Sure. Rocker at Vanderbilt. We take them for for what it's worth this year, right? They're probably both going to be top five overall picks. Okay. Um, they went, they, they went to Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt dominated because of them. Vanderbilt would not be in the World Series without them this year. Um, in three years, if they would have gone to the minor leagues, would they be in the big leagues now three years later? I would say so. You know, would they have developed? Maybe Vanderbilt has a better development system in terms of putting on weight, getting stronger. Scott Brown's a great pitching coach. You know, maybe they have better tools than the minor leaguers. You know, I don't know. As a pitcher... In my humble opinion, I would not have gone to college because they were going to be first, they were going to be first riders anyway. I would not have gone to college because in three years of college, that elbow can pop at any time.
0: May I, may I just jump in here? I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to talk about that ask, and and value this question later, but we can bring it up now. I've always had the philosophy of and this is just me playing, you know, Jimmy Scout, right? Jimmy General Manager. I like playing role playing that sometimes. Um well, that's better than your other role play. <laughs> hey, you know what? Keep your pants on there, pal. <laughs> I always my philosophy is this pitchers who go to college, you see the pitchers in the college world series now, those coaches, and hey, I'm not I'm not knocking it. God bless them. They want to win. Those coaches, yeah. who, those pitchers on two days rest, three days rest, they don't care about the rest periods. Nor should they. They're mm-hmm. trying to win the College World Series. Okay, so okay. if I'm a pitcher, highly touted, I'm not, and, and I'm a, I'm a scout or I'm a general manager, I'm more so drafting pitchers out of high school so they can be in my care, I can develop in the way I want them to be developed or our development system the way they should be developed, and I'm drafting a college hitter over a high school hitter. That's kind of like my draft philosophy. Is that something that kids getting drafted or have the chance to get drafted out of high school pitchers, hitters, is that something they should think about as well from a maturity standpoint?
1: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, you know, sending sending your 18 year old kid to to coach Corbin, you know, at Vanderbilt, like that guy runs a tight ship. You know, I guess and that, that kid's going to grow and that kid's going to be, you know, uh, you know, learn how to manage his time mm-hmm. and, um, you know, between school and personal time and, and, and baseball, you know, versus you send an 18 year old on their own to, you know, the minor leagues and they're surrounded by people that are older right? Maybe guys that are over 21 that are, you know, having beers after, you know, the game or workouts and stuff like that. And you have an 18 year old that's, you know, can that player handle it? Um, You know, what is the best situation for that player? It really is a tough call. Um, I mean, they're going to find you if you're a good player and you go to college and dominate, they will find you if you have tools. If you're a good player and you're in high school, they're typically going to find you. Um, Some players from small areas, aren't found, you know, if they don't stand out and all of a sudden they need three years of college to wow, where the heck did this guy come from? I'm trying to think recently who was it Torkelson. It was Torkelson. Wasn't drafted out of high school. No, ended up no one one. Right. right.
0: And we talked about that when we did his mechanical breakdown series, like a year and a half ago, uh, right. speaking about, about how he never got drafted out of high school. And he went one, one, he was a, in a way, right. in essence, a, a late a, in terms of athletics and baseball, a late bloomer.
1: Yeah, I looked at a, a late bloomer on my draft list, mm-hmm. you know, and um, a big guy, but not a lot of puberty yet. Yeah. And is hitting the ball really well and is throwing the ball fairly hard. And it's like, gosh, 25 more pounds easily this kid's going to put on. You know, what's that ball going to do? And, you know, and, um, that's a big part of it as a scout like absolutely you look at you guys and you're like this kid's not done growing right um you know the, he's going to get bigger and stronger so if he's dominating now look out and then vice versa you have somebody that you know might be capped out at age 18 17 or 18 and, and you have no and and everyone's old now so don't 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 get me wrong like everybody is high school seniors are like 19 it seems like mm-hmm college because of COVID college players are like, you have like 24 year old college players that are still playing. Right. Right. And it's like, you know, they're probably, they're probably not going to get a chance to be drafted. You know, that's just, that's too old. Don't tell that to
0: Brandon Whedon though, who got drafted by the Browns at age 28. Yeah.
1: Right. Why not? (laughs) By the way, I watched a
0: documentary on the Browns, uh, dark side of the NFL or dark side of football like a week and a half ago, it was it was on the Browns, and I feel so bad for that fan base. I mean, they are so passionate, and just the Browns every year outside of last year just stink.
1: The Browns are on the move, baby.
0: Hey, I'm a ba- – al- listen, I've, I'm saying it on this show for the record. I've always been a Baker guy. Baker, Baker, playmaker, in my opinion. But people have always yeah. poo-pooed him and said, Aah. he's my guy. Baker Mayfield can play, whether you like it or not.
1: He can play. He's a gritty guy, too.
0: And by the oh, way, I was going to say, I thought he, what? Oh, yeah, he is sarcastic. sarcastic. I was going he to, was uh, I almost said he got drafted, but he didn't in baseball. That was Johnny Manziel. No. Wasted draft pick that was. Um, Yeah, I, I like all your points there about um the maturity level. By the way, I want to say one thing, too. There is a guy, uh, in my opinion, who I've watched, who is a late bloomer mm-hmm. at Boston College. We've talked about him before, Sal Frelick. And I know you can't really mm-hmm. comment on him, but. He is, yeah. or Sam, or Sal Fre- Frelick is his last name. I think name. it's Sal Sal Frelick. He's a late bloomer. Yeah. Didn't get drafted out of high school, and he's a really good college player. And I think he yeah. has a shot to make it to the big leagues. But um, but there's so many factors that go into getting drafted out of high school that are out of your control as a as a player, and that's where that that's where the the support system at home and the parents have to help you also make that decision as well. and and, and in a way you almost wish that players weren't eligible to get drafted out of high school, because that is a big decision for a young adult that a lot don't know. A lot of kids, they don't know what decision to make unless they have life changing money, but they don't, they don't understand the things that go into that decision. See, that's where I think the NBA maybe did the correct thing and setting the eligibility back.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and, I mean, it, we could talk There's as a whole other topic, but, you know, Major League Baseball can help fund colleges too in right. order to make that happen. Yeah. You know, use colleges as a, as a development tool and maybe we increase the scholarships to 30 with help of, you know, Major League funding. And now all of a sudden these players can use three years to get better. Um, what does that do to your minor league program, though? Or, you know, all of a sudden now you got probably 50 less players in your minor league system, <laughs> you know, yeah. 40 less players in your minor league system. you know, then all of a sudden we don't fill the stadium, you know, or we don't have a high A team. We only have a low A team. So, I mean, there's a lot that goes into that, but that's that's a story for another time. I do think college development is is huge Mm -hmm. because um, for most minor leaguers, they're not playing. They play the season. Not all of them are going to, you know, instructional league.
0: Yeah.
1: Or the fall league. Yeah. So what are they doing? They're just hanging out. Like working valet or their waiters or, you know, whatever it is to make a buck and
0: Uber drivers, DoorDash.
1: Yeah, that's right. You could do all that stuff.
0: Who knows? Maybe they're Amazon drivers too.
1: Good benefits there. That would that would be I don't think they'd ever go back to the minor league. they would be like I got benefits. Yeah. I'm getting paid more than you know, although I do I d- cents an hour.
0: Although I do hear that job is is like crazy hard. So Yeah. I don't know if I I, I don't think
1: heard. you have the mental capacity for it, Jim.
0: But. I don't. No. no. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what uh, final points here on this topic? Yeah. Um, the excitement of of getting drafted and um, going through that whole process. Not only are you, especially coming out of high school, not only are you getting recruited to go to college, you're getting recruited to play professional baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, what What's your mindset like? The train. What's your training like? Um, How do you prepare for this opportunity? Because it is, in a way, life-changing. I know minor leaguers don't Mm -hmm. make much money, but they're getting a chance to play professional baseball. And a lot of people Mm -hmm. would die for that. They would give their left nut to do it, as they say. Yeah,
1: right. And
0: and, um, it's a chance that it's a -a once-in-a-lifetime type thing that you can tell your grandkids one day.
1: And you just do it. Like if you, I mean, you work for that opportunity, right? You, you take extra swings, you lift weights, you know, a little bit longer than most guys or whatever you have to do because really when you like, I'll never forget signing that contract, two things, when I signed my letter of intent Mm -hmm. and then when I signed my professional contract Mm -hmm. um, and then of course, when I signed my marriage license, just in case other people are listening. Right. Yeah, uh, but those are the three. Like that's what I remember. Your voice
0: does travel. And it travels well. It travels. Yes, it's booming.
1: So, <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I mean, you're you're a pro, right? That's what you you know. What do you when you're you're eight years old, seven years old, and I would you know Jose Canseco playing wiffle ball. Yeah, because I wanted to be a pro, right? I wanted to be a pro, and whether or not you get paid very much, you're you're still a pro. Yeah. and you put on that professional uniform for the first time, it's pretty cool. Like, it, yeah. it really is. And you go to spring training with all these other pros, and you guys are all part of the same organization, wearing the same hat, same jersey. And um, it's, a, it's, it's a really cool thing. Like, I yeah. you know, wouldn't change it for the world. Now, if I would have drug around for eight or nine years and been a mediocre minor leaguer, and then all of a sudden had to go back to school and finish my last semester and mm-hmm. start a family a little bit later, that would have been a bad decision on my part, you know. Yeah. Um, I kind of saw the writing, like I'm not as good as these guys. And maybe if I had a different kind of personality, like, ah, screw that. I'm better than that. And, yeah. you know, I just got, went crazy and whatever. And, and maybe I could have played longer, but I kind of knew it like, okay. Like I had a lot of friends that were better athletes than me that did that. They played in the minor leagues till they were 28, 29, 30. And then they had to start life over. Yeah. And I didn't want to do that. Right, it's tough decision. It's a really tough decision to make, but you know, in hindsight, it was the right decision.
0: Yeah. What What about um, just in general the um, the mentally getting yourself prepared in today's world? Yeah.
1: So one of my players um, that I've worked with since he was and I I can't say his name because he is a prospect, um, but I've I've known since he was probably twelve. Worked with his brother. Um, he's a college player. And anyway, so this said player has a, a very good scholarship to a Division One school on the West Coast. Okay, So he's he's uh, kind of a two-way guy. Um, he throws really hard, but he's very athletic and smooth with a bat. So he's being looked at by some organizations as a hitter, some organizations as a pitcher, And some is, hey, we'll give you a shot to do both, which I don't think that really is the case once you get to minor league ball. So he knows if he goes to college, he could be a two-way guy, but he could also get life-changing money, you know, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. That's a really hard decision to make. Like, he's in a really weird window of, you know, do I go? I'm going to a pretty good school. If I continue to develop and get bigger and stronger, maybe I add a couple miles an hour to my fastball. Uh, maybe all of a sudden I hit the ball, you know, 450 feet instead of 410 feet, or you know, whatever he, he does, and it's it's a really tough decision. And um, I wouldn't know what to make, quite honestly. Like you, you have to be like, hey, do you do you want the college environment? You want to go to football games on on Saturdays? Do you want to, you know, go to some frat parties? Not that I condone any of that, you know. And athletes really don't. Oh have have come on. Come on. Not we got- anymore, man. Social media athletes can't do anything anymore.
0: Yeah, but I mean, they could go to parties. Oh, it's college. They could go to
1: parties, but it's like, you know, hey. anywho, you know, is that what you want to do? Or do you want to get a jump start on life and have a, you know, I mean, you start investing, you know, $500,000 Yeah. when you're age 18? You know, that's going to be a pretty nice sum if you don't blow it, if you invest it wisely. So, um, it's a really tough decision. And I and I wouldn't know how to answer that, quite honestly. Like, I'm glad I'm not in that situation. Yeah. You know, whether it was me or if I had a kid that was in that situation, I don't know what I would do.
0: Yeah, but you know what? It's a good decision. It's a good choice to have, I guess, right?
1: It's a good choice to have. And he can't make a wrong decision. He's either yeah. going to make a lot of money. Yeah. Or he's going to go to college and get a degree. And worst case scenario, he gets hurt. Yeah. Right, and doesn't play for a couple of years, and then all of a sudden he gets drafted a few years later for for not very much money. Yeah, but at least right. you have a college degree.
0: Let's get to our listener question here. This comes to us from Steve from North Carolina. By the way, speaking of Steve's Steve from Stance Doctor, our friend Steve uh, in Tampa owns Stance Doctor. I'm giving him a little plug there. Um, great facility. He texted me over the week and and said, don't sleep on NC State. So we were wrong about Tennessee in our prediction last week. And NC State is a very athletic team. But in in essence, he was kind of. I bear
1: that starting pitcher that threw against Rocker. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. I think it was awesome.
0: Yeah, they're very, that team was, that NC State team, very, very athletic.
1: They, Um, They got, that was a bummer.
0: This comes to us from Steve in North Carolina, though. This question sent to us via jimbopodcast Podcast21 at gmail.com. Steve writes, Hi guys, first time emailing in. And I had a question about the arm bar. I see a lot of we got a lot of we got a lot of questions about the arm bar.
1: A lot of questions on the arm bar. Yeah, yeah. I
0: see a lot of young kids with this problem that leads to a longer swing and bat drag. What can a parent do to fix this problem? It looks like a small fixable problem that leads to bigger problems within the swing. Thanks again. Keep up the great work. And that's from Steve from North Carolina, sent to us via Jimbo Podcast 21 at gmail.com. I think that's the first time that Steve has written into the show. Great question, Steve. Thank you for listening and writing in.
1: Steve, you should attend the uh, certification, the instructor training. We're going to (laughs) have October 16th and 17th. There you go. uh, College Station, Texas. I got a a few guys that are already signed up for that. But uh, kidding aside, yes, bad drag is I'm sorry, uh, arm arm bar, arm bar. Is a very yeah. a very serious issue, a very common issue. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad issue. So if you have arm bar, um but you don't have bad drag. So you straighten your front arm, but your your back arm is okay, mm-hmm. then you're fine. Yeah. Okay. I mean you can look at Manny Machado, even Tatis. If you look at guys that stand far away from the plate, pool holes, sometimes mm-hmm. um, that front arm is going to straighten out. It's if that front arm straightens out and your back elbow drops underneath, mm-hmm. then, then your career's over. Like, I'm not joking about that either. Like that is a catastrophic issue. Yeah. yeah. Um, if your lead arm straightens out and your top hand opens and you cast in bad drag, that is a catastrophic issue. Mm-hmm. Both fixable. Um, but if you just arm bar, you can still control the barrel and create whip. Is your swing going to be a little bit longer? Uh, I mean, maybe, maybe one one hundredths of a second longer, but you can still be pretty efficient with an arm bar if you um, correct it. So some people will arm bar and then as they turn the corner, boom, they pull that thing out in front and then there's no problem. So all my drills are designed to fix arm bar casting and bat track. So every bottom hand drill, top hand drill that I use, uh, two hand, no legs drills, contact drills, extension drills, any isolation drill are designed for those three issues, armbar, bat, dragon, casting, because those are the three major issues that affect young players. Um, Meaning my job as a human on this earth is to try to um, allow any kid that wants to play baseball to play. try to play through age 14, 15, 16. Mm -hmm. Like no matter what, if you work hard, I'm going to give you a swing plane that will run into baseballs or softballs. Mm -hmm. And if you run into baseballs, you'll play. And I've had countless players that were the most unathletic human beings that played high school baseball because they worked hard at their swing. They couldn't throw the ball all the way to first base Mm -hmm. from third base. They couldn't run fast enough to play the outfield. But you know what? They could hit a ball. They couldn't hit it over anybody's head, but they could get hits, you know, even though they didn't have elite athleticism. So um, if you can, if if you can minimize those three things, bat drag, arm bar, and casting, you can be successful in the batter's box.
0: And they, they, where do they learn a good swing plane? Where, where would they learn that from?
1: That'll be next week's episode about philosophy. I was actually excited when I thought we were doing that. I, I did a, I'll probably mention this again. I did a zoom call with the AM softball team. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, a few days ago. Mm-hmm. And it was great because, you know, they, they, the the girls asked me questions, you know, mm-hmm. what, what this, and we talked a lot about, you know, not, not just mechanics, but, you know, team environment, things like that. Yeah. But one of the questions was uh, F, what's your philosophy? Mm-hmm. And I was like, what a great question. And I'll yeah. save it till next week. But you can learn that at the Epstein coaches training, which is designed for really amateur coaches, usually travel ball. I've talked to one guy, two guys that are travel ball. They're part of a travel organization. They're going to come learn it, bring it back to their organization. So
0: and, and when um, is and it? And then parents. When it's is October
1: that? October 16th and 17th, October 16th, 17th. Nice yeah. and cool. College mm-hmm. station, Texas. We have all the toys down there at the lab. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that's it. And, and then online too, um, you can go to epsteinhitting.com, my online academy, where you you send me videos, and then I give you drills to fix those problems, or at least to minimize them. But um, you know, without the plug, all, all kidding aside, that you know that's that's a real issue. But if the arm bar is isolated to just arm bar and not casting and bat drag, that player is going to be okay. Don't be overly concerned with it. Very difficult to fix. Very difficult to, to, to take an arm that's straight and bend it 30 degrees. Right. I will tell you that. So just deal with it straight and do the other things really well.
0: We right there in that one segment of our listener question, it may have been the greatest three segues that we've ever done on this show. We may ever do again. Not only did we answer the question, we talked about the lab and we talked about what we're doing next week. So with that said, we'll talk to you all next week. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Take care, everybody.